Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Coming up on the programme uh, today. Uh, in, but I'm interested now. I know we got some commentary in on this. I think it was on Monday people started talking about this state of the art printer that was that has been installed in the houses of the Arachthus offices in uh, Leinster House, where people were talking about the cost of this particular uh, printer and the fact that it wouldn't fit when they decided to buy it. Well, it's now been spoken about at the Public Accounts uh, Committee. They now admit that they have very serious concerns over the fact that the Oireachtas now has spent £1.3 million on this printer and the reason the cost went so high was it didn't fit into the office that it was bought for uh, initially so they had to do uh, works uh, on it. The uh, chairman of the Public Accounts uh, Committee who is responsible for all the big spends that they have in the government he says the he describes the spend the huge high spend as a bit strange and needs to be fully explained. Now the top civil servant the a guy by the name of Peter Finnegan has promised to deliver a report to the PAC on how the printer saga unfolded. He said, I would like to see what was done. I understand the public concern. It was a bit strange that the money was paid out long before the machine uh, was even uh, due. So they're going to go into details of what exactly happened. Now, seemingly the printer itself, if you were to go out and buy one of these printers, it would cost you a mere 808,000 euro, over three quarters of a million euro. It is a staggering amount of money but it is a state-of-the-art printer and I was doing some research yesterday trying to find out what exactly this printer, What you know, what does it do? Well, seemingly it's a four-colour printing press. It has folding machines and guillotines. <laughs> so it has everything that you would want in a printer. So they decided that this was the printer that they needed. But then it turned out that when this Komari printer arrived, they had to spend an additional €236,000 on structural works to make it fit into the building due to the need to tear down walls and embed structural steel for the height clearance needed for the operation. Now, You or I or any of us, if we're buying a piece of furniture for the house, maybe you're deciding you want to buy a nice three-piece suite or maybe you want to buy an extra large table. So one of the first things you'll do is you'll bring a measuring tape with you to the shop and you'll know the measurements of how far it is 
how you know what space you have to get it in a door or is it going to be able to turn around to that corner you'd think you'd have a rough idea wouldn't you that the printer was going to fit but God knows that didn't happen in this particular case and it was only when they arrived and tried to get it in they went oops it won't fit now it took a huge amount of time then it's almost a year I think it was December of last year when the printer actually arrived to be installed in Leinster House and then they discovered oops that's not going to work so then it had to go into storage and it's been in storage until last month I think they finally got it uh, installed but the storage there was a cost on the storage it was something like €2,000 a month it was next to 12000 anyway was paid out in actually storing this uh, printer and now it's not expected that the printer will even be used until uh, 2020 and the reason for that is while it has been installed and it is ready to go uh, there is a standoff between and it's this industry relations standoff between the Oireachtas and the staff who will be tasked with using the machine. The task, along with their union, I'm assuming, are arguing that they need to be remunerated for the work that requires upskilling. I mean, you couldn't, if you couldn't write this in a, in, in a comedy. So 1.3 million anyway is the total. And there hasn't been a button pushed on the printer and the printer hasn't printed anything and someone yesterday was asking why would they need a printer of that calibre in the houses of the uh, Oireachtas well it seems that all of the TDs calendars and Christmas cards They print them in-house. Now, I'm assuming they've decided at some stage that it is cheaper to print them in-house. But you'd feel, wouldn't you, for local printing houses, wouldn't it be a nice thing for TDs and senators if they want to have nice Christmas cards? And, you know, they... A lot of TDs and senators and politicians like to send out very nice Christmas cards. Sometimes they'll send out Christmas cards maybe with a family photograph of their own family on it or a nice depict a nice local scene uh, maybe but I would always have thought because we're always banging on about shopping locally wouldn't it be nice if they gave that kind of work to a local printer and give give them a bit of business at this time of year anyway it looks like they don't they print them all in the houses of the Oireachtas and t- tens of thousands of cards and calendars are, are printed out uh, every year in the House of the Oireachtas. So that's why they want this state of the art. So if you are one of the lucky people to get one of those Christmas cards, it won't be this year anyway that they'll come from that new printer, but hopefully next year. But it'll be next year now before we actually, they actually see this printer up uh, up and running. And by the time it's up and running, that 1.3 million bill may even have gone higher. We will keep an eye on this and we wait with bated breath for the Public Accounts Counts Committee to come out and it will be really interesting. I'll be really interested to see this report that's going to be brought up by this top civil servant. But in particular, you know, if you're going to buy a very expensive printer like this, you would assume that you would know in advance that a printer of this size, it's huge. I saw pictures of it. I went onto this Kamari website to try and find the actual printer. They're massive. They're huge, big things. But you would have assumed that they would have got the measuring tape out and checked to make sure that it was going to fit in. Also, I will be interested in reading in the report the breakdown of the works that took place, these structural works that needed to take place and the to, to, to make sure that the printer would then fit into the building. €236,000. That would build you a fine size house or a number of small houses. It seems like a lot of money, doesn't it? 
on the actual work so I'll be interested in the breakdown on, on that as well. Anyway, it's one of those infuriating stories that is making a lot of the papers today because it got discussed at the Public Accounts Committee yesterday. Your thoughts and comments welcomed 1850 And while some will see that as squandering of money, We've been this week talking about Cork Penny Dinners and talking about how Cork Penny Dinners are helping out the ordinary families here in Cork who would never have seen themselves going anywhere near Cork Penny Dinners but are now finding themselves in a situation that they don't have any money for food and that they've no other choice but to go to Cork Penny Dinners. And I've just literally had a text in this morning from a listener saying, Hi Patricia, I'm not an alcoholic and I'm not an addict, but I'd be very happy if I could go to Cork Penny Dinners for food every day. I live in a rural area. I'm a beef farmer. I'm fed up. I'm sad. I'm cold and I'm hungry trying to pay the bills. No sleep again last night. Uh, I love to listen uh, to you every night. God bless. Isn't that just such a pathetic text? And obviously no sleep again tonight. This person is really finding, has fallen on hard times and is a beef farmer. It possibly explains why we have so many beef farmers as we speak protesting in Dublin. And there's talks of the farmers refusing to end their protests. Now, there's, they were saying until they secured a meeting with the Agriculture Minister, Michael Creed, but I know Michael Creed went out this morning, but I don't, certainly the clip we have on the news, I don't think we got uh, very far, but the majority of them are beef farmers who are demanding decent a decent wage and a decent, a better price uh, for their uh, produce. They're also looking for a ban on imported food. So you can see why those farmers are in Dublin. But there's one of our own farmers who hasn't even the energy, I would say, reading that text to even get himself to Dublin to protest with the other farmers. That really is... A sad, sad text to get. And we did hear a listener yesterday who was kind of given out because she knew of a farmer who was getting on a train to Dublin or getting on a train to Cork, should I say, regularly to go up to Penny Dinners. And she felt that he was a farmer who had cattle on his land and he had property on his land in that he obviously had a a, a nice house. And why was he going up to Cork Penny Dinners? And I was saying, you know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. That man mightn't have any money for food. Well, there's a typical example on the outside. People will look at this man and all they see is a beef farmer living in his house thinking sure everything's grand with him and everything isn't grand with him as he says I'm cold and I'm hungry and I'm fed up and obviously with the anxiety of it all is not sleeping Uh, my heart goes out to that man it really does all I can say to him is reach out you know I, I don't know what part of Cork County you are texting us from but there will be a local St Vincent de Paul Society in your area, if you reach out, they certainly will help you out when it comes to food. Uh, they would certainly help you out if you're you're cold. You might need some fuel because the Vincent de Paul help out so many people to get whatever kind of fuel you need. So please reach out. And, and I know, I know how hard it can be because I know when we spoke about that family in Cork Penny Dinners, that couple with their, their children and they are trying to shield their children from the stigma of poverty so they're not admitting to their children that the food is coming from Cork Penny Dinners, their own family, in that their parents don't know that they've fallen on such t- hard times. And, you know, I, I, I know what pride is like. It is very, very hard. But please reach out. There is help available. And, you know, even with 
the Cork Penny Dinners and it will be the same with the Society of Vincent de Paul. No one will know, no one in your area will know what's going on and, you know, the help will be given to you very quietly and very discreetly. So please, there's no need for, you know, there there's no need for you to be going hungry and to be going cold. And if you get that little bit of help, it might just relieve the stress that you're under and it might actually help you to get a decent night's sleep because you can't continue not not having a, a good night's sleep and not having any sleep uh, at all. So thank you. Thank you for your text and maybe reaching out to us. That's your your that's the, your, the first step in reaching out to get a, a little bit of help. Good luck to you and um, and do keep in contact with us. 1850 333 Now coming up on the programme this morning we are going to be discussing um, financial abuse. What financial abuse is and how do you protect yourself from uh, financial abuse? We'll be hearing criticism, further criticism of Senator Shane Ross and his new speeding regime which again Again, is being spoken about and is uh, is on all of the papers. He's after getting the backing of cabinet for this penalty point uh, reform. But it does look like that the law is not going to be in place until after the next general election. Now, I don't know if some of the rural government TDs pushed for that, saying that there's going to be a backlash uh, because this reform is going to affect people in rural areas more than it will affect people in air, in urban areas. Will it keep our roads safer? If we can get people to slow down, it certainly will keep our roads safer. But is this the way to go? We're going to be discussing it in more detail uh, today. At about 20 past 11 today, Ian Bailey will be joining us on the programme. Ian Bailey has written a new book of poetry that he describes as being autobiographical. I don't know if I've come across an autobiographical book done through poetry before but in the book Ian Ian shares the poetry he would have written at the time that the trial was going on in in Paris where he was trialled in abstentia. He wasn't in the courthouse when he was found guilty of the murder of Sophie Tuscan and de Plantier. So he talks about what was going through his mind in, in poetry form. So he'll speak with us on the programme uh, today. We have advice on mortgage, uh, if you are in mortgage arrears or if you're in debt of any kind. It doesn't just have to be mortgage. We'll be speaking with Awalia which operates under MABS, the Money Advice and Budgeting Service and just trying to get the message out to people that there is health uh, available. And it is Wednesday so Peter Dowdle will join us answering all of your gardening uh, questions. You can get them into us throughout the morning. Pat Informoy is reacting to the farmers who are protesting in Merrion Square in Dublin. They started protesting yesterday. They're still there today. They're refusing to end their protest. They say, and I quote this from one of the farmers yesterday, we will bring the country to its knees if we have to. And we're already hearing this morning that a number of TDs have been told if they park in the Mer- Merrion Square car park today they might not get their cars out out again because of the farmers' protest. Pat Informoy says to be a farmer, it means you're in a business. If we turned our beef farmers to shopkeepers on the high street and if these shopkeepers don't have customers, what happens? They will go bust. But farmers want to be given money for overproducing when there isn't a market for their produce. The same situation is happening in the United Kingdom. We just have too many small beef farmers so they need to be treated like a business. It's like having too many cafes all in the one street. They all can't survive, says Pat, who's not having any sympathy at all for beef farmers. But Dermot Kelleher was listening to me when I was reading out that text that I received from a beef uh, farmer who 
said, just listen to the, just, he was, the reason he says I'm not an, uh, an, an, al- an alcoholic or an addict is because the criticism yesterday of people going to Cork Penny dinners, so many of them are addicts. He said, but this gentleman said, I would be very happy if I could get a dinner from Cork Penny dinners. I live in a rural area. I'm a beef farmer. I'm fed up. I'm sad. I'm cold. I'm hungry. Trying to pay my bills. No sleep again last night. Just summing up the stress that that man is living under at the moment. Dermot Keller of the ICSA was listening and he's contacted us to say to that man who's not sleeping at night uh, if he's not making enough money which obviously he's not if he's cold and he's hungry he is entitled to farm assist that's a social welfare payment. He said Dermot said what's happening today are so many farmers are not admitting that they're in trouble therefore they're not applying for farm uh, assist so we'll get that message to that gentleman to tell him he can apply for pharmacist which at least would give some kind of money I'm assuming it's a weekly payment from social welfare to give them something to at least to be able to buy uh, some food uh, every week 1850 just a quick mention because I've had a couple of emails in I want to give a mention to the three tenors are playing in concert in St. Patrick's Church in Dunmanway this Friday night the event has been organised as a community fundraiser for two worthy causes namely the Dunmanway Community Hospital and St. Patrick's Community Hall Renovation Fund and the three tenors in concert are absolutely stunning live and to see them in the setting of a church that's the place to go St. Patrick's Church in Dunmanway and if you're down in and around Mallow Town there is a little shop at the lower end of town called Steps it's just down by the uh, plaza and if you this coming Saturday between 12 noon and close of business I'm assuming there are a number of items going on dis- number of items going on sale they're in display on display at the moment in the window of the shop they're handcrafted crafted items that were made by young boys and girls between the ages of 8 and 12 who attend a daycare centre in Velosian in Belarus and there's a group of local builders go out and they help this particular daycare centre and they've been doing renovation work uh, for them so on, on their last trip out they realised just how creative these young people were so they said give us some of your stuff that you make we'll sell it for you and the idea is that every single cent that they get back by people buying the items they're going to give that money back to the teacher and the money then is going to be used for refurbishment of the classroom so whatever the children need maybe to buy more items so that they can make more craft items they are just wonderful they're such a creative uh, bunch of a talented bunch of young people when you look at the items you'll be stunned to see and hear that they will be made by 8 to 12 year olds so they're in the window of steps that shop down by the plaza in Mallow and they go on sale from 12 noon on Saturday if you want to pop along 1853 33103 going to take a break uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration food markets Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade visit Glow open every weekend until Christmas Egfoilamach quid denanihe is farlin shot eight C103 air Kirkig 
is Museum Alien and the Carrahe and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig. Nur Hulan Tucci and Nadorsha find to Tishkin Tiart Erin Rolls Suntasuch at August Nahark Alienus at Tail August Sukhal Turko Imshire. Tagnos Kun Rohiad Mila Kurtur Night the Bliana Higging Gallery, a hostage to Igreel or Nakarach, in Akalish and Opera House. Sayer Hadishach, the Trish Fibli, to Spontish, August Baluchan Buon, Donis Mo, no Rovi Lesayer. Nukta, quid denaniha, is Fari Gurkig, C103. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school, uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Now, new research commissioned by the Banking and Payments Federation suggests that up to 20% of adults have experience of financial abuse. However, many old Older adults still do not think it could happen to them. Patricia Rickard Clark of Safeguarding Ireland uh, joins me to discuss this research in more detail. Good morning to you, Patricia. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, can you, firstly, what form does financial abuse take? Well, it takes uh, a number of forms. Uh, it can include a person taking action, um, you know, to control a person's uh, bank account, uh, or unauthorised or improper use of their funds their resources, uh, collecting pension and and not passing it over or using it for the benefit of the person. Um, And it also involves, of course, people uh, financially exploiting a person by, say, living with them, not contributing to expenses. So it takes a a number of different forms. But uh, also um, the, the, the big issue for older people is the question of collecting the pension and their statutory entitlements and, and not using it for their benefit. Um, also, the, uh, dipping into joint accounts without their consent. So quite a, quite a number of different issues. Yeah, I remember one occasion when we were talking about financial abuse, you know, somebody uh, ringing up and uh, saying an adult child would always go to the shop uh, for them and they might give a 50 euro note for something that was only 10 euro and they never got change. Yes. And yes, I yes, was pointing yes. out that's financial abuse. Uh, but Absolutely. But for some older people, they don't, they don't put it, I suppose, a name on it. They don't realise that they're being abused. No. They don't. They don't. And that's, I mean, again, clearly coming from the research, that's what it indicates. Uh, I mean, the figure of 20% is high by international standards. But certainly we're aware of a large uh, level of financial abuse. I mean, Safeguarding Ireland did a couple of um, uh, polls uh, in the uh, in the last year or so. And uh, it would indicate that uh, people don't understand what financial abuse is. They can't identify it. And the other issue, of course, is that the HSE figures, um, which are collected by the safeguarding team, would indicate, say, for older people, that financial abuse, particularly for the over 80s, is up at 30 percent. So very, very high figures. Um, And, uh, you know, 
particularly where people's capacity is at issue um, and they haven't appointed somebody and then somebody just literally takes control over their assets and their accounts. And uh, again, the use of PIN numbers and all of that, internet banking, uh, which is very difficult. And really what, what, what we in Safeguarding Ireland are saying is we're encouraging people, you know, to plan in advance for those eventualities. You could still have your capacity, but be kind of frail and ill at, at particular times. But you, you, you must select a trusted person, a person that's suitable, that you can really trust, that are honest in dealing with your affairs. Um, and it can be difficult in family circles. The highest levels of abuse are in families, uh, and it can be very difficult in families where somebody is ill or whatever, and somebody is there and just helps out, but then takes control and doesn't see it themselves as they're abusing the person. Or yeah, you see, that, that's interesting. Does the, does the person realise, the person doing the financial abuse, that what they're doing is abuse? Not in in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. Again, you know, so an older person doesn't realise it and then the younger person just t- takes it on, continues with it. And from the Banking and Payments Federation, I mean, it includes obviously banks and posts and others. They have to deal with a person who has legal authority to deal with the bank account. So this comes back to the planning again in advance. So... I should be planning for my future. I should be doing an EPA or setting up arrangements with my bank that they know who I have given authority to and who has legal authority to deal with my affairs. Uh, Also, safeguarding, of course, includes the person themselves understanding and organising their day-to-day banking, checking their bank account. uh, And if they feel that, uh, you know, their bank, and in many cases, I know through advocacy organisations, a lot of issues arise in terms of financial abuse. And if they feel that somebody has dipped into their bank account, then they should talk to the bank. Again, the research that is done here indicates that um, a large group will talk to their bank or their post office. That's good to hear. Um, which, which is which is a good thing yeah. to know, and or talk to a trusted family member, which which is good as well. Mm-hmm. But it is terribly important that one does contact the financial institution, keeps an eye on their account, and does contact the financial institution, because the financial institution can then take action to prevent or to stop the financial abuse. Uh, coming back to the pensions, which is um, uh, a, a big issue as far as I'm concerned, is that UCD did a prevalence study of abuse there a number of years ago, 2000. And it indicated that the largest risk of abuse were older people whose only income was their state pension. And in the majority of cases now, you will find that the majority of state pensions are paid into a bank or post office account. Yeah. So if somebody has control over that account, yeah. uh, then it makes it know, easier. It, it makes, makes certainly it makes it easier. And and also I'm I'm glad and you did you did touch on it that issue of uh, an income earning adult refusing to contribute to household bills. A lot of people won't yes. identify that as financial abuse, but of course it is. It, it is, and funny enough, in 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 the research, it in, that happens to younger people as well. But for all have an adult living with them and not contributing. So they're paying for everything, including all the main... 
Okay, oh, the, the, the line is going there, but we're just we're finishing up anyway. Um, thank you. Uh, that is uh, Patricia uh, Rackard-Clark, uh, who joins us uh, of uh, Safeguarding Ireland, just with that advice. And I know there's ads running, there's really uh, good ads running at the moment as well. Protect yourself, look after yourself. And if you do feel you are being the victim of financial abuse, talk to somebody that you can trust, but certainly go in and talk to your bank or financial institution. But that thing of an older adult or a son or a daughter or whatever, living at home uh, with you and refusing to contribute that is a form of financial abuse 1850 John Paul taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your Workday on C103. I play greatest hits from Elton John and Bob Marley and Billy Joe. Did I hear a question on the radio? Try out the brain twister. Did you know there's UFOs in Cove? Aliens, yeah. And I'm going to help you win a 500 euro one for all voucher with C103's Christmas Covered. Are you that famous millionaire S? I am. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. Motorists who drive at more than 30 kilometres per hour over the speed limit will face court prosecution and up to €2,000 fine under amended proposals brought to government yesterday by the Minister for Transport, Shane Ross. Not everyone is in favour of these proposals, including West Cork Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins, who joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Michael, now before we get to Minister Shane Ross and his proposals, you, the protest outside, are you in, you're in Dublin at the moment? I am indeed. What, what can you tell us about the protest? We were trying to get through to some of the farmers up there, but what's happening at the moment? Uh, yeah, I was with him uh, this morning. I was with him yesterday evening as well for a period of time. Um, there was a standoff there. There were uh, requests that the minister would meet him. We tried to negotiate that. A number of independent TDs, Michael Fitzmaurice, Matthew McGrath, myself, tried to negotiate that with the Department of Agriculture. It wasn't possible. He genuinely was at committee meetings uh, yesterday evening. We felt maybe after that he might have met him. He, he didn't, but this morning uh, the minister did go to the protesters. Uh, I some of them weren't there that wanted to meet him. They did set up a meeting uh, this morning because um, uh, I suppose they, I suppose there's a huge uh, problem here. Traffic uh, hold up in Dublin over this uh, protest is quite large. Contingent of tractors and, and farmers protesting. Um, my t- undertaking, I came back in there and about a half an hour ago from the protesters that they were going to step down the protest. There's still some very angry farmers out there. They want um, they want the, the beef task uh, force um, meeting, uh, group, group meeting to set up. That hasn't happened since the factory protest. The only thing I can uh, say at this stage is that the, the main people that were organising this protest just wanted them to step down. It's now maybe a few individual farmers are continuing the protest there, but I do see it stepping, maybe being stepped down the next number of hours. None of the main farming groups, though, were involved in organising the protest? No, none of the main farming groups, but at the same time, this this was, this was being organised um, for the last number of weeks. I think the organisers wouldn't be as organised as most uh, farm groups that organise uh, protest. I, I will accept that, um, but uh, I, I hope... They still managed to have an impact on traffic in Dublin. The funny, the only thing is that, and 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 most of many of those farmers this morning is that they, some of them spent over forty days outside the gates of the factory. The minister never came to see him, but when it closed down traffic in Dublin, he was straight out this morning. So you know that sends a message in itself. Okay. But at the same time, in fairness, he did meet with them, um, and 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 if they're to their word, 
they should step down. I, I would urge them that they would do that because we can't be disrupting ordinary people going on their daily So you, you the expect been, them to disperse, do you, this I morning? Would, I would okay. hope so, yeah. I would right. hope well, so well, once, well, once, they got, once they got, you know, that meeting with the Minister and they've clarified matters, they have the deadlines set for the 15th of December. They said they'll be back to Dublin again if that if the, if the task force isn't set up by the 15th of December. So I think they need time to step back now and see what's going to happen. But no update on when the beef task force are going to meet. This is what they asked to said to the Minister this morning, if it's not set up before the 15th of December, they're coming back to Dublin and they're going to cause serious disruption. That's the, that's came from the, the words of the protesters at the, okay. the Minister this morning and that's what he's going to work on going forward. Okay, let me go back to the issue that we invited you uh, to join us on and these are the new proposals um, from Minister Shane Ross. Now, uh, Minister Ross says it's a balanced and moderate piece of legislation with minor offenders getting more lenient points and smaller fines while major offenders will get the harsher punishments. What's wrong with it in your opinion? What's wrong with it is that before the cart and it wasn't really rule approved him uh, again and it wouldn't surprise me because this is the, the trend that Minister Ross is I think he's trying to grab the sensation's headline by by increasing penalty points for those who are speeding yes speeding is is, is, is dangerous speeding does lead to killing people on the roads and I sympathise with anybody who has died uh, in the result of a, a car accident or a road traffic accident and, and it happens to many reasons but the biggest reason and the Minister has been avoiding this issue Patricia is the fact that we have shocking roads in our own constituency of South Cork. I've said that to him. I met him three years ago. I told him there was a, it, the roads and the conditions of the roads were leading to deaths on our roads. And since he came down for a bit of a jolly and had a trip around and saw the condition of the roads. He did, and and, and I, I showed him the roads between Bendon to Clannacilty to Skivreen, the roads between, uh, I took him on, the, on that trip between, we'll say, Bendon, uh, Dunmanway to Bantry, and down into Castle. But dim roads are in appalling condition. They have no passing bays, and they continue to have no passing bays. And you have motorists that are willing to go in, in and, and, and drive at the proper speed limit, but are unable to do that, unfortunately. I even got calls last night after the interview I done on television um, from a motorist who told me he passed somebody on a continuous flight line yesterday because he was in a desperate position. He was held behind by 25, 30 kilometers an hour, he passed him and the squad car caught him and he got fined. He said there is no passing base, there's no chance. He he had left Bendon, he said in the journey that should have taken him 25 minutes to get to Skibbereen. He was only as far as Clannacilty and he had 30 minutes of that journey and he was exasperated and at the one time he saw a chance to go beyond the slow motorist which is they're entitled to be on the road to, he took that chance and it cost him, it cost him dearly. Uh, how much, okay, he's, he's saying the slow motorist was going at 25 kilometres an hour. We have the situation, Patricia, in, in West Cork in particular. And that's what I asked the Minister. I said, you don't have to spend millions and millions of euros here. You have to create some passing bays. You have, you have anything up to 80 kilometres of motorway, motorway between Bandon to Skibbereen or Bandon to Bantry. They are in 71 or they are 586. You, you have only one passing bay, and that's in Roscarry, in the whole of them roads. So you're left with motorists that are coming out of Clannacilty, which just say a busy, a busy summertime, are coming out of Bandon. There's silage trailers, there's, 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 there's lorries, there's a cortege coming out and travelling at 30, 40 kilometres and people are exasperated and pulling their hair out of the head and when they get one opportunity, they go for it and unfortunately then they go over the speed limit. You have, And this is where the Minister needs to look at. You have situations too where there's little or no signage and that's coming up quite a lot in West Park. You'd often be in a situation, I'm not sure, am I, am I in a 60 kilometre zone or not? I've heard, just, yeah, I've heard of people who picked, up, who picked up penalty points and fines thought they yeah. were in a 100 kilometre zone and it turns out that they were in a 60 or an 80. That's very unfortunate and very unfair when that happens. 
and it is because there's very very little sign of your white line situation in this country there, 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 you know, I travelled yesterday morning from the Mizzen Peninsula up to Dublin and I, I found that he one car up in the ditch in Trimalee um, and the roads were in appalling condition there were floods everywhere and I mean long ago we had council workers that were clearing the roads and keeping the roads you know in a safe manner all this is gone and the minister's deflecting attention away from that nicely and he's, it's working for him I must say but yesterday RT spent all day yesterday trying to get him on uh, their, their television program last night, he wasn't willing to defend uh, I was there last night, he wasn't willing to defend his, his new proposals. No Fine politician was willing to defend his proposal but they're quite willing to go along and tick the box so they can stay in government and that's where I don't agree with this, at this present the way it is. There's a motorway out there if there's speed limits need to be uh, I suppose strictly uh, carried out that's the place to carry them out but certainly not in the rural roads that are in uh, substandard condition that this minister has, has walked away from and expecting to be allowed to walk away from. But these proposals will go through, but we're told now not before a general election. After the election, they're expected to go through. Do you not? Do you, do you think that they won't be going to law? I don't. I don't see that happening before the general election. I can see an election early next year. There's a growing disquiet in the public out there, um, and 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 I think that Fianna Fáil, look uh, from what I could gather yesterday, are not going to support these proposals going through. So there's a lot, a long road uh, for these to travel. But I think the minister needs to take his focus away from the sensational headlines. I think he needs to come back and look at what really needs to be done to roads. And I can. Uh, really and, and what about this national review of speed uh, limits that he's he's promising? We do know there are speed limits on certain roads that are simply inappropriate. That's uh, something that was announced yesterday also. It's another area, but that, that could mean that the review would mean they go up or come down. It has happened in some situations in in, in West Cork where, where uh, after uh, speed limit review that the limits came down. Um, we have a lot of situations where even the few signs that are there are covered with trees. And, and people can't see that. And co- some courts and some judges have thrown out speed cases because people were able to show pictures of, of, of speed limit signs covered with trees. You have a whole pattern of situation. There's another thing too, Patricia. I've tried my best to make sure that we can take less, uh, have less cars on our road, less traffic on our road. And I've done that through his department by talking about the park and ride system and he sent back a letter rejecting that. So he, has, he wants cars on the road. He wants substandard roads. He wants to penalise motors as much as he can because it's turning into be a fabulous um, financial exercise in its own right because I mean where are people going to get 2,000 euros if they're cut to be uh, speeding on our roads are more worrying if they're if they're put off the road okay and Michael are you getting your Christmas cards printed on this fabulous new printer that's been installed in Enster House well uh, a lot of questions <laughs> hanging over a printer costing 800,000 this is from sensational news <laughs> if you'd be Jen, I think heads are going to have to roll on this one um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy Okay, listen, uh, we'll talk again. Thank you for that, Michael. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is West Cork Independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins. 1850-333-103. We've got to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way in the next hour. Ian Bailey will join us. He has written a new book of poetry that he describes as autobiographical. He'll talk to to us at about 20 past 11. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Festive food and Fun, the Ferris wheel, and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. 
Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish remains right here on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now a number of calls and comments coming in uh, reacting to Deputy Michael Collins talking about Minister Shane Ross and his penalty point reform. Also people commenting on the farmers who are protesting. Others are commenting about poverty and we have people commenting on the very expensive printer. Let me bring you some of your thoughts and comments coming into the programme. Hi Patricia, I was at a local mart yesterday and it was clearly evident that cattle dealers and factories are working together buying cheap beef farmers are being forced to sell under cost. Hi Patricia says Noel I was listening to you I'm listening to your programme this morning this country is going downhill day by day the poverty divide seems to be getting wider I'm working morning tonight and I'm no better off we should all be like the farmers and stand up for ourselves the guys in the doll should be ashamed of themselves kind regards that's from Noel Patricia it's time says another texture to put manners on the government all they seem to want is to have large dairy farmers uh, expanding on a daily basis and the cull cows are in competition with the beef trade in the meat factories. This government don't want small family farms. They want millions of euros pumped into the bigger farms and the banks don't want to lend to anyone who has under 100 head of uh, cattle. This seems to be the government target to get rid of the family run farm. Patricia Shane Ross says Pat should never have been made Minister for Transport. He doesn't have a clue, according to Pat. The people that put him there are also as bad. Tim says Hi Trish, if Shane Ross needs points that bad, he should box Katie Taylor says uh, Tim while Graham from Newcastle West says Patricia hardly anyone takes any notice of speed signs these days which are there for a reason so any legislation to change people's behaviour is welcome someone has to resort to drastic action to do this says Graham who is very much supporting Shane Ross and his proposals for the graduated speeding for penalty points and uh, fines. Some of your WhatsApps coming in. Heidi says we should only elect people into these offices that are well aware of what is happening all over the country and not just in Dublin. Minister Shane Ross is a man who is unaware of the real world and what life is like for the working men and women, particularly those that live in rural parts of this country. Deputy Michael Collins says he took Shane Ross around the West Cork area a couple of years ago go to show him the condition of the roads. I wonder though, how did they travel to West Cork? Did, did he fly down? Otherwise, he would have felt the roads down here. Uh, it's a bit like rock and roll. Also, oh, he would know what it was like to drive with overgrown hedges, narrow roads with huge trucks travelling on them, making it hard to pass as the roads are so narrow in rural areas. And no, I mean, I don't know, did he fly down to get him to Cork, even though I don't think he did, uh, but he certainly drove around the roads of West Cork and they they did, Michael Collins and other local councillors showed him the condition of roads and, you know, he went away saying, yeah, you know, I can see what's going on here, but nothing nothing became of it, that's for sure, because he certainly didn't invest a lot of money into it. And then he decides to make decisions that will have 
have a more of an effect on rural areas than it will have on urban areas. But we're back again. We need to reduce speed. Something needs to be done to reduce speed. But it's, when you hear stories then, like you get from Michael Collins, of somebody who's frustrated driving behind somebody who's driving too slow. And yesterday, how many times did we hear from people saying slow drivers can cause as much problems? And then you finally get a, str- a bit of the stretch in the road where you think you can overtake you have to build up speed in order to overtake and then you go around the corner and you get nabbed for speeding because uh, you've, you've, you've gone too fast to overtaking the car and what's going to happen with the new penalty points that's the problem if you are too far over the limit you'll have a very excessive fine I mean 2,000 euros is a lot of money but more worry to me would be you could actually end up losing your licence and if you lose your licence in a rural area it has a catastrophic effect compared to somebody say losing their licence if they live in the middle of uh, Dublin Okay, hi Patricia. Regarding the purchase of the expensive printer, you hit the nail on the head in the last hour when you said that it is obvious that it should be that your first priority should be to check to see if the printer will fit in the space you have allocated for the printer. We definitely need some practical female TDs. I wonder if anyone has done a feasibility study into the annual running costs. As I bet you that will be exorbitant as well. I imagine though when the PAC, the Public Accounts Committee and this report, they've got a senior civil servant while looking at the debacle as to how it happened, how a printer was purchased when it wouldn't fit into the, the slot, the space that they'd allocated for it. I'm assuming that when they come back, we'll have the full running costs uh, of it. As how much is it to run as well? The actual cost of the physical printer on its own was €808,000. It's incredible. 0.8 of a million for a printer just seems a really, really high price uh, to pay. But anyway, they decided that they needed it, but then they didn't fit in the space. And now it's we're up at 1.3 million, has now been spent from what started out as, as 0.8 of a million, has now gone to 1.3. Will that cost rise? Only time will tell. And Morris says to the farmer who contacted us earlier this morning, who was cold and hungry and sad and is just not sleeping at night. Uh, Morris said, please tell that farmer to swallow his uh, pride, sell a site, feed himself properly and have a bit of comfort for himself or else uh, could he get a part-time job, uh, says Morris. I assume, Morris, he's gone through every scenario under the sun in order to make a bit of money. And I know it always sounds so easy, doesn't it, sure? Why don't you, you sell on a site Sometimes it's not always as easy as that. It's the same with cattle when people say, I shouldn't have a load of cattle. Why don't you sell sell on cattle? We know that the price, cattle are just not making the price. So it isn't, outsiders looking in at farmers, I think all seem to think that they're that it's a very easy job and should they have loads of money when in reality they don't, particularly, particularly smaller farmers. And I think that's what prompted that farmer to contact us uh, today. Um, 1850 and Andine by WhatsApp Patricia could you mention please the following a few times on your programme there's a coffee morning at Sam Kingston's shop it's on tomorrow Thursday from half nine to one there will be a raffle some lovely prizes there's a voucher for a hamper Hampers are great prizes, aren't they, this time of the year? Uh, and also there'll be Christmas arrangements for sale. All proceeds are going to Bantry Hospital 
everyone is very welcome. Sang Kingston's shop tomorrow for that uh, coffee morning between half nine and a one. And remember on the programme today, you have a chance to win a family pass to go see Jack and the Beanstalk at the Everyman on Wednesday the 18th of December from 6pm. We're inviting the winners along to a VIP reception before the panto. Uh, you can win that. We'll do it in the next hour. We will give you the clue. You have the answer. The clue will be the panto characters describing a panto character from another pantomime. You've got to try and work out who they are talking about and be caller 10. We'll do that in the next hour. And hopefully you are counting the Christmas bells for the C103 Christmas covered every day this weekday. We are giving you a chance to win a €500 Euro all for one voucher so that you can enjoy a free festive shopping spree on us. Nine o'clock this morning with uh, Simon. He played Christmas bells. I hope you counted them. Nick will do it again at two and then Martina will do it at five. After Martina rings her bells at five o'clock, we need you to add your three totals together and then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. And remember, download the C103 app to your phone now to make sure that no matter where you are, you can listen to C103, especially at nine, at two and at five. That's C103's Christmas Covered with Dennis and Mary Ryan, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. They're open seven days and you can see ryans.ie for more info. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. Experienced bar staff are required required for Springford Hall in Mallow, while caregivers are required for Ovens, Balancholic at Douglas and Cork City. Person wanted for drafting and CAD drawing. It's for an engineering company in the North Cork area. And a cashier is wanted for a betting office in Mallow. Good customer service and communication skills essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Anna in uh, North Cork commenting on the printer that now has a running cost of 1.3 million that got installed in the houses of the Iraq. This Anna said that printer is a professional printer. It is a Kamari printer and it would be used by professionals. So I don't know why they want... They, I don't know why the House of the Oireachtas would want it for all the extras that come with a printer like uh, this. Um, I know what I'm talking about because I've worked in the industry. It isn't just a case of pressing buttons. So they haven't thought this purchase through at all. It's a very specialised printer. So the taxpayer ultimately will end up paying more. You would wonder who was in charge of ordering it and who signed off on it. And that might explain why staff at Kildare House are in uh, industrial relations standoff between the Oireachtas because the staff who are 
meant to use the machine are arguing they want to be paid extra uh, because they're going to require upskilling in order to be able to use uh, the printer. So yeah, to the listeners who are saying that it'll cost even more than 1.3 million, I think they are possibly right. Now, a collection of poetry that has been described as autobiographical has been published by West Cork journalist Ian Bailey. It's Ian's second book of poetry and he joins me uh, this morning to chat about it. Good morning to you, Ian. Uh, good morning, uh, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, firstly, at what age did you start to write poetry? Well, I I think I mean, we all started very young, you know, because poetry is really the first sort of things you hear, nursery rhymes. And I, I won a poetry prize, I remember, around about the age of eight. And it was the, the, the prize was Longfellow's Tales of Hiawatha. <laughs> and I guess that's what really got me going. Yeah. Oh, and then Kipling, you know, if and this, that and the other. Um, and then journalism, and obviously the pen, the word. So, and you, and and right throughout your your life, have you always sort of dabbled in poetry? Have you always sort of is it something you've always returned to? Yes, I think it's probably where I started and where I I, I, I returned to, um, and I find it a very economical form of expression uh, for me. Um, they, I, I don't like too many words. I like um, maximum meaning in minimum words, and I try to put that into the poetry. And I think you've certainly achieved uh, achieved that. You've put footnotes. I thought this was interesting. You've put footnotes in to explain where you were in your life and your, your state of mind when writing certain pieces. Do you think that's important for the reader? Um, I think that's the biographical uh, aspect, autobiographical aspect of it, but it puts the poetry um, it puts the poetry in context. And I do performance poetry and for instance last night I was doing some performance in Skibbereen and when you're doing stand-up performance poetry, you tend to tell a bit of a story about the poem. Now, normally in poetry books, you just have the poem yeah. and no necessary explanation, maybe a footnote at the back. But because I'd been up to UCC and law school and I'd learned about footnoting, I thought I'll marry the two styles together, if you like. I, I think it's clever because I found when I, w- you know, I would read one of the poems and then I'd read the footnote and then I'd have to read the poem again. Yeah, if you know, because yeah. <laughs> you then you, then, you were then putting it into context. And some people said have told me that they've been. I've been. I've trialed a few copies. It's going to be available. I think uh, very shortly. It should be available on Amazon by certainly by the end of the week. Um, and it's in the local bookshops in Skull, Skibbereen, and, and Bantry. But um, I've been getting very positive feedback, and some people have told me they've actually just been reading the biographical <laughs> footnotes and then the poetry after. Has Has poetry helped you, Ian, through very dark days? That immensely, hugely. I, I'm. I find it. Um, I find it very cathartic, and I think I think I've invented a new word um, because of what I, the particular peculiar circumstances that myself and my partner, the Carrick who stood by me, Jules, over all these years have gone through. I find if I can turn a thing that's happening to me in a, into a metaphor i.e. hurricane or bonfire or arrows, and their titles of some of the poems, it takes the sting out of the emotional reaction. Does that make sense? Um, uh, it, 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 it does, because obviously, you know, this year you were convicted um, of the murder of Sophitus Gondiplantier in the French mm-hmm. court in your absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you, you wrote... You, you write about that in, in the poetry. I mean, that must have been... Just tell me what, what, what was going through your mind when you knew that this court case was going on. You're in another country. Are you waiting on a phone call? I mean, what's going through your mind? 
Well, I was waiting on phone calls. I was um, here on the prairie. I knew, by the way, I'd known this was coming for a long time. There's a poem in the book called Crash, which I, you know, talk about it. I'd known this was almost certainly going to happen to me, uh, barring a miracle which never occurred for many, many years. So I knew that I began the, the year. I knew I had to toughen up. I knew what almost certainly was going to befall me. And I, this is where I, I was starting Glengariff in February earlier this year, and I just started writing. And I, I knew I had to toughen up. And I wrote one line down. I need to be in a John Wayne state of mind. And that's <laughs> and, the, the name of the title of the book, by the way. Uh, yeah, and from that, um, over many different drafts, came a poem. Uh, which sort of is a bittersweet Schadenfreude um, um, poem about the situation I find myself in. But you, you've lived with this now for, for 24 years. I mean, yeah. is the threat of spending the rest of, li- of your life in jail, for example, is that, is that constantly on your mind? Or do you well, get days... I mean, the fear, the fear is constantly... Mm, yeah, there are poems in the book, by the way, which I've written, which have helped me and I deal with the situations I've been in, like um, the um, the troubled mind. And everybody's got stuff to deal with in their lives. Everybody's got a bit of fear, I guess. This particular fear is very peculiar, and it's, it is always with me. Um, it has been for a long time. Um, I live with it. If I can somehow stoically deal with it stoically and then turn what is happening to me into some form of lyric or poem. That's how I'm dealing with it. You're currently awaiting uh, arrest on, on foot of a European arrest warrant. Do you know yes. if or when that's going to happen? No. No idea. In fact, it's, it's very strange because um, there's a poem in the, again in the book uh, called I'm uh, Expecting the Worst and Hoping for the Best. But um, no, I'm, I'm uh, I don't know. Um, no, nil, no act is gamma, no act um, at the moment, but I don't know. And, and if it if it did happen, would you get much notice? Would, would they just arrive at your door? Don't, yeah, you don't I guess so. I don't know. I don't, I, Patricia, I can't answer. The, I, I don't have a crystal ball in front of yeah. me. Do you ever regret moving to West Cork? No, never. Even with everything that's happened? Even with everything that's happened. I'm, I'm, every day I fall in love and even with West Cork uh, through trial, trouble, storm, hurricanes. You know, I love it. It's wonderful. But your life would have been very different if you hadn't. Yes, I know, but we can't do retrospective stuff. We can't change the past. All we can do is deal with the present and then maybe hopefully change the future. Or, um, OK. And you're, you're doing, are you doing a kind of an official launch of the book tomorrow night? There is an event no, taking I'm, place. No, I think we're doing an official launch in the new year up in Allahy. OK. So tell me what's happening tomorrow night. Well, tomorrow night um, in the Oasis Cafe in Ballard de Hob, uh, Paul Cobb, who runs the Oasis Cafe, is hosting the first of a series of um, spoken word poetry evenings. Okay. And I'll be doing some reading. I was doing some reading uh, last night in, in uh, Skiv, and I'll be doing some reading there tomorrow night. And it's between 8 till 10. It's a free entry. And all poets, uh, spoken word artists, are very welcome. I like the idea of this because there isn't there isn't many. I mean, musicians will always find places to go, and there'll be a session going on. But for the spoken words, this this is clever. This is a good idea. Yeah, it's a very good idea. Um, I think it came about. Paul, we were talking. Oh, I know, we were doing singing sessions with um, Dick Miles, and Paul was in on that. And we, we I, I said, well, what about maybe we could do some spoken word stuff? Anyway, the thing is, that this is the first one tomorrow evening. I don't think there'll be one in. Um, 
in uh, December. But all being well, it'll become a regular last Thursday in each month event. And any poet or would-be poet will, willing is is more than welcome oh, to turn uh, up and take part. Yeah. It's, it's an open house, spieler, speakeasy, um, which is what I was at last night in Skibbereen, where I read three poems last night. Okay. And would I read? Do you want? To I, I think you should. I think you should. Are you, okay. are you you do one from the new book. Well, I'm going to do one from the old book. From the old book, okay. All right, what do you want to do? This is from the old book was the West Cork Way, wasn't it? The West Cork Way, Way, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's called, it's short and sweet. The representative is called. And I I should say as a lawyer that this has got nothing to do with anybody living. Okay. Dead, past or... (laughs) Thank you for covering that. (laughs) Yes, disclaimed. So, here we go. The representative. We elected Johnny from the bog the other day. Yeah. A thousand country cousins at the ballot box held sway. Mm. Now, Johnny is our kith and kin, you see, though he never worked a day at all. So the only chance we had for him was to elect him to the Doyle. We took a lovely photograph and we bought a megaphone and printed on every poster, Johnny proclaims Polg Mahone. The electorate was amazed at this cultural decree they'd not heard the Irish used since sat upon their grandma's knee. So they voted in our Johnny with a grand majority. The moral of the story is, do not mock democracy. Do not mock democracy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm glad we started at the beginning saying that's not about anybody living or dead. (laughs) Okay, and now, so Andy, so your book, um, John Star State of Mind, John Wayne State of Mind, when does that, when do you say that goes on sale and where is it on sale? Well, it's in the bookshops in Bantry Skull and, um, um, Bantry Skull and um, Skibbereen. Okay. And it's going to be available. I think as a print. Uh, it's available as a a, kin, a t- not tin, tin, tin or something. Kindle. A, k- a Kindle download. Yeah. Um, There's nothing like holding the book though in your hand. I've, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of actually but, uh, having, having the book. book. I've got the John Wayne State of Mind in my hand at yeah. the moment. Okay. And just finally, are you part of that documentary that's been made with Jim Sheridan and Donna McAteer? Are you taking part yes, in that? Yes, you are. I, I, I've been cooperating with with them now for over five years. Both um, of them. And where me. where are they at with that? Mm. Well, I, you'd have to ask, actually ask them. Okay, um, all right. I know that we've done over the years, there, there are hundreds of hours of, of, of filming being done. That will come down to minutes, I guess, in the end. Interestingly enough, at the moment, I became, I, I use metaphors to, to deal with the situation. I wrote a poem the other day about my situation, and it's, it, it, I've become a, a, apparently a, a bone to be chewed or fought over by two dogs. One a friendly dog and some other people who suddenly come in and want to make a documentary. They tell me their, people, their name is Netflix. Yeah. And they wanted me to, to, to meet them and talk to them, and I had to say, no, sorry, I, I can't. I'm working with yes. Mr. Sheridan and Mr. McIntyre. Okay, who are you? It's, it's a BBC Virgin Media documentary. I'm not sure. Are you well, I, I well, yeah, I, I, I read, I saw that somewhere that it is uh, BBC Virgin Media and they're hoping to have it released for the Cannes Film Festival in 2020. Uh, so right. obviously they're getting very close to finishing it. Okay, Ian, we leave it uh, there. Good luck with that uh, event tomorrow night and good luck with your book and thank you for joining us on the programme. Good, good, good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, West Cork Port journalist uh, Ian Bailey. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. 
Here at C103, we're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 one-for-all voucher. So you can enjoy a free festive shopping spree. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 every day to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. Save our number. 0862-103-103. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Open seven days. See ryans.ie. Listen at 9, 2 and 5. Count the bells and you could win. Only on C103. Today is our final slot with Ewalia, the free mortgage arrears support service, which is available through MABS, which is the Money Advice and Budgeting Service. And joining me from Ewalia is uh, Rosaline Ward. Good morning to you, Rosaline. Good morning, Patricia. And you, you are welcome. And I suppose the fact it's our last, we're going to sort of do an overview uh, on yes. it. And, I, and the good news is that the scheme has been extended uh, until 2022. So I suppose start by explaining and reminding listeners what help is available through Awalia. So the scheme itself, like I said, has been extended. So through the scheme, someone can attend their local MAB service, uh, wherever that would be, West Cork, Charleville, Mallow, here in there or here in the city. And they can meet with a dedicated mortgage arrears advisor who will go through their income, their expenditure, contact the bank and try and put an arrangement in place for them. So that's done free of charge inside in your local office uh, with with a trained advisor. And then there's an add-on to that as well, that if the dedicated mortgage arrears advisor decides that you might need a personal insolvency arrangement or you need the added support of legal advice, they can arrange a free appointment for you to go and visit one of these professionals from a panel that are used to doing this work so they're very you know in tune with what's happening at the moment different circumstances that you know different uh, parts of your life might be going through so that's really important so the first the first way of getting in contact with any of this is through your MAB service or if you want you can we have a national helpline that is manned as well and it's on 076107 2000 do MAB is your first protocol for anything under the Awalia scheme, yeah. go through your options. And, you know, we, we've been, since we've started this slot on the programme, we've been constantly saying to people to go sooner rather than later because some people have a tendency, uh, Rosalind, to bury their heads in the sand and, and then they sometimes think it's it's too late. So for somebody who's thinking, oh, I've got a repossession order in place, can they still negotiate? Yes, they can. So if somebody is listening this morning and they're at work or they're sitting in their car or they're sitting in their, either in their kitchen and they have a repossession order in place, you can still, there's still time to see what your options are. And that's what we're saying, that you can pick up the phone, you can talk to one of ourselves and we'll go through their options, um, go through their options with you. If there's need then to go and seek legal advice or see a person's fancy practitioner, then we can help, help them arrange that. So it's not too late, but what we do say to people that if you have a court date and you've received the summons or you've had two court dates, please, please turn up on a Wednesday morning in Washington Street. There's always um, two people there from MADS who will be able to put you in touch with the duty solicitor, who will be able to speak for you on the day. You know, court is a very daunting place to yeah. be in. It's hard to hear your name, it's hard to hear your number, maybe what's happening. But there is staff there and there is, you still have time 
Repossession is last case scenario, but if you don't engage, repossession ultimately will take place. And nobody wants to lose their family home and then, you know, be looking for alternative accommodation. It's a very difficult space to be in, but we're trying to say to people that there is help and it is free. Yeah, and uh, it's important that you turn up as well. We've heard of people over the years who don't turn up saying, oh, I couldn't face that. But it, it is important, isn't it, that they turn up in court? Absolutely. And what we're saying to people as well, if you're listening this morning and you know you have mortgage arrears or you have arrears on your loan, your credit card, maybe it's got catalogue debt and it's really all getting in on top of you. And I suppose this time of year, you know, it's coming up to Christmas, you know, people starting to worry about, you know, spending, you know, maybe they're still paying off um, debts from last Christmas or, you know, they've uh, borrowed from a money lender, a legal money lender. What we're saying is pick up the phone, contact your MAB service and we'll go through, including mortgage arrears or rent arrears, you know, payment arrangements. What are your options? One of your options might be, you know, a debt relief notice. You know, can you have some of your debts written off? What is a debt? Can you explain what a debt relief notice is? So a debt relief notice is a debt write-off or unsecured debt for up to 35000 The most important thing is a debt relief notice that you can't own your own home, so you can't be renting, okay. living at home. It's for low income. Um, the best thing to do if you have the debts and they're below 35000 or in that in that range, you should call in for an assessment. An assessment won't cost you anything. It can be done over the phone. You can contact or make an appointment and come in and see the approved intermediary and they'll go through you know, the criteria, if you qualify, then obviously they proceed with the application for you. But if you don't qualify, then you will be passed back to your money advisor who can negotiate payment plans free of charge with your creditors and try to get you back on track. So that's really important. But, you know, the space where we meet uh, inside the office, is completely confidential. It's one-to-one. So you don't have to keep regurgitating your story to your money advisor every time or your dedicated mortgage arrears advisor every time anyone who's dealing with a lending institution you know they get a different person on the other end yeah, of the phone constantly yeah. they have to go, keep repeating themselves where if you contact your local MAB service you deal with the, uh, typically the same advisor all the way through that's I terrific. get to know you and you get to know me and then we try and move forward that's that's terrific but that, that definitely the relief notice you say is for people who don't have a mortgage who are who, who are renting uh, and then for people who are though really struggling with the, the mortgage we often hear about the mortgage to rent scheme explain how that works and where does that leave the person I mean do they do they still own the house when it's over no, they don't still own the house, but the beauty of mortgage to rent is, so first of all, you would have to complete what's called a standard financial statement. And anyone who's in arrears with their mortgage, this is the most important document. It includes your income, your expenditure, and any other debts or assets that you might have. If your mortgage by the bank is deemed unsustainable, meaning you know the mortgage is just not going to be, it's not workable into the future, mortgage to rent might be an option for you, depending on levels of income and the value of the property. What it means is typically the, the property is surrendered back to the bank, a housing agency will take that over and then you will rent it back. Do so you become a tenant in originally what was your own home? But the beauty of this scheme is that nobody needs to know that it happened. So your neighbours next door or across the road don't know or don't need to know unless you want to tell them that you've rented your property back, you live in it and you pay you pay rent um, in, a, in accordance with your income. So if your income is goes up or goes down, your rent will ultimately change. So you stay in the family home, particularly for anyone who's maybe listening, you know, who have young children or anything yeah. and their mortgage is unsustainable. They don't like the idea of, uh, obviously, of a home repossession or having to move out of the family home. Mortgage to rent might be an option. And they, they, may, they may have nowhere to go, Rosalind. That's the big problem, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Look, we're all very aware that we're, um, you know, there's a housing shortage. So if you qualify for mortgage to rent, you know, you definitely should come in, complete your standard financial statement, have it submitted to your lender. If mortgage or rent is an option for you, your MAVs advisor, your dedicated mortgage arrears advisor within MAVs will be able to highlight the option for you. It's a safe space to be in inside the office with ourselves. We go through the criteria and if you qualify, we'd obviously tell you that you can go forward and assist you through the process. We would have had couples, we have families at the moment going through mortgage to rent with our offices of MAVs where, you know, and if there's any residual debt from that, so what I mean is if, if the mortgage um, is sold or bought, sorry, by a housing agency, and there's a small bit of debt left over, you know, your debt relief notice might come in there where you can qualify for a write-off. Or your money advisor can go through a payment plan, and that's all done in-house in your MAVS office. So you don't have to be going to different offices, different agencies. It's done inside in our offices with your advisor. It's free, it's confidential, and we'll work out through your options for you. Okay, and you know, unfortunately, marriages break down and, and relationships uh, split up. Uh, but if there's a, a, a mortgage, a joint uh, mortgage, and one partner goes and doesn't want anything to do with it, where does that leave the other person? So, mortgages are joint and several, okay? So, there is no getting away from that. But if you have somebody who presents as a single borrower, as someone who maybe is on their own and the other partner has left for whatever reason, they can still negotiate with the bank. They can still try and come to an arrangement. They can come to our, come to ourselves, particularly if there's been family breakup. We can assist them in getting the paperwork together, getting the assessments completed and see what the option is for them. If you're on your own and there has been family breakup, you know, there still is avenues open to you. You can still try and work through an arrangement with the bank. Okay, and but the but the big one is go as soon as you are getting into trouble. Don't Absolutely. leave it. That's that that's the key to it all, isn't it? Non-engagement or no contact. If you don't want to use the MAB service, then what we're saying someone is talk to your lender, put your uh, correspondence in writing to them, let them know what is happening. Lenders don't want to know, they don't want to repossess properties if they don't have to, but if you don't engage, if you don't make payments, if you're not um, in communication with them, they don't know and typically then repossession is obviously legal proceedings will start on the family home and typically with any other sort of debt so whether you've got a you know a bank loan you know credit card you've make a non-payment you haven't been engaged in if it's been passed to maybe a debt collection agency or if your mortgage has been passed to another credit servicing firm they don't they've been trying to contact you and they don't hear from you your file naturally will follow progression to legal proceedings whether it be you know civil debt or if it's on um, if it's on the family home yeah it won't it won't just disappear and a listener says what if your mortgage is sold on to a vulture fund are they difficult to deal with not particularly they still want to hear from people they have the debt they are bound by some rules and they will engage with customers so typically we would have a lot of these at the moment where where our own clients are in the process of negotiating with them so but the most important thing is that you complete the standard financial statement so that includes all circumstances income expenditure they can see what happened and they'll work through through and see if there's any options open for you again non-engagement with them isn't an option because they too can move to repossession. Okay, your local MABS office or you can contact the National Helpline for a while you're 0761 07 2000 Rosie, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. 
Thanks, Patricia. Uh, bye bye. Good morning bye. to you. And indeed, thank you to all of the uh, people from Awalia and Mabs and uh, the various uh, pips that we have been dealing with over the last number of months on this uh, slot. We appreciate them giving up of their time to talk to us. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to Sheila, who sends in a text saying, Hi, Trisha, just making my yearly inquiry. How's the Christmas cactus? Is it still with us? Uh, it is. We have uh, we've actually two, two magnificent Christmas cactuses in the building. They're up in, or cacti, should I say. They're up in the canteen. And actually, when I was driving to work this morning and I looked, whatever, I just looked up at the window because it's upstairs. They're on the windowsill upstairs. The cerise pink one looks absolutely stunning, even from a distance, even looking at it from ground floor, looking up at it, it's gorgeous. And then we've got another one, that very like dusty pink, Pink, almost white and it's coming into full bloom at the moment. Magnificent. So yes, Sheila, very much still with us. And actually we'll, we'll talk to Peter Dowd because there's a lot of Christmas cactus out at the moment. We'll, we'll talk to Peter about that. I think they're one of the, the most gorgeous plants for this time of year. They're pretty ugly then for the rest of the half the year I've one at home that I keep in, in my bathroom I actually I was looking at it it needs a good dusting after it finishes flowering this year but it's just it makes this stunning burst of flower that just it makes up for it being kind of ugly for the rest of uh, the year if you have a question for Peter can you get it into us please 1850 333 103 or you can text or WhatsApp you're probably better texting or WhatsApping your question to 0862 103 103 because I have a feeling the phone lines are going to be busy for the next couple of minutes because it is that time of year again. Oh yes it is. It's pantomime time and the gang at the Everyman are putting on a wonderful traditional pantomime this year. It is Jack and the Beanstalk. It runs from November 30th so it's opening this weekend and it runs through until January the 12th and we have a family pass to give away for every day this week for Wednesday December 5th. Now it's a special night. The panto goes on but we also, uh, we've been doing this for the last number of years. It's a great bit of fun. We throw in a VIP reception beforehand. That kicks off at 6. The face painters, the musicians and the select boxes for all and it's just sort of brings up the atmosphere and then you head in to see the uh, pantomime and you can check out if you want to find out more about this year's pantomime go to everymancork.com but we have a question for you you've got to work out the answer to this Hello boys and girls I'm Jack and this is my mam Marjorie Daw Who shall climb to the top of the beanstalk this Christmas? Go on have a guess she lives in France, her father's an inventor And her best friend is a beast She lives in France, her father's an inventor And her best friend is a beast Who are we talking about today? 1850 Caller 10 with the correct answer gets the family pass If you can identify a panto character who lives in France, dad an adventure and her partner's a beast. Who are we talking about? Uh, get uh, t- uh, That's by phone only, please. 1850-333-103 and caller 10 picks up that family pass to go see Jack and the Beanstalk. But remember, as always, when you're entering these competitions, you must be available and able to go on Wednesday, the 18th of December. The tickets are non-transferable because it's a very special night that we put on with the VIP reception beforehand. So get dialing on that, please. And while we are awaiting our winner, let me go to some of your texts that have come into the programme. We've been discussing 
penalty points and we've been discussing speeding and inappropriate speed limits set on roads this morning. That's prompted a listener to say, Patricia, I travel back to Killarney from Rathmore going through Baraduff Village the odd time and after going through Baraduff Village there is a 60 kilometre sign. It runs for about seven miles or thereabouts. Now it is on the main road it's a good stretch. It was recently uh, done up. It was always 100 kilometres, but they reduced it to 60 kilometres. But there's a but here. On the return from Killarney, I noticed on the other side, it says 100 kilometres uh, until you come into Baradoff uh, village. Which is it? <laughs> it can't be 60 kilometres on one side of the road and 100 kilometres on the other side. That seems absolutely nuts. And I'm assuming it is one of the stretches of roads that's going to be looked at under this National Review of Speed Limits that the Minister for Transport, Shane Ross, spoke about yesterday. He agreed that the graduated speeding fines won't come into effect until this National Review of Speed Limits is uh, published and how the speeding rules will work. Schools, businesses, community groups and individuals like your good self will be able to make speed limits in their, have speed limits in their area reviewed by engineers under a plan agreed by the Cabinet yesterday. Now the precise process for a new appeal mechanism is still to be worked out but it's understood it'll involve a panel of road assessors making recommendations to local councils. Officials in Transport Minister Shane Ross's department will begin work on the system in January where an individual or a group believe a speed limit is too high are too low, they can complete a standard form to be referred to a panel of three assessors and then reports will be presented to councillors on an annual basis for adoption in any new bylaws and that's how they're hoping it's going to work and Shane Ross is saying until this national review is published that he will not be introducing the new graduated speeding fine so that gives a kind of a breathing space for people to get their heads round the idea that if you're caught breaking the speed limit between 20 and 30 kilometres, you will get four penalty points and a €100 fine. But it's the new offence, I think, is the one that is worrying most people. If you are caught speeding more than 30 kilometres above the speed limit, it will result in a court prosecution and a €2,000 fine and seven penalty points. That was the piece of information that we didn't have yesterday. It's going to be seven penalty points points you could end up the road off the road very very quickly indeed now we're still having people saying well done to Shane Ross pat on the back this is the man for the job we have to do something people are crazy the way they're driving around there's way too much speed going on we have to do something and this is the right way about it but you are right when you say there are inappropriate speeds and if that true if that is true and I have no reason to believe that it's not that it's 60 kilometres on one side and if you're driving the other way it's 100 kilometres that needs to be reported and sorted out because that certainly should not be the case and then a listener was on to say Sinead sorry Sinead thank you for putting your name in your text to say that Sinead was driving in Mallowtown yesterday she was in the Ballydeheen area of Mallowtown and there was cars parked so you had to pass out the cars you know almost indicate and pass out in order to keep going on your, on your merry way Sinead that I was doing it and I was taking my time you know just to make sure I wasn't going to hit off any of the cars etc when the fella behind me started tooting his horn to tell me to hurry up she said when I looked in the rear view mirror she noticed he had an L plate up and he was driving way too close to my car says Sinead now he could have an L plate up but that's not, not to say that he was the learner driver but would people just have 
a little bit of patience, please, I think is the main point that Sinead wants to make this morning. Why are we all in such a rush? 1850 Hi Patricia, just wondering, this is on the printer. Will this grand new printer print all those lovely airbrushed picture portraits, posters that we see for the general election and the local elections, the ones that go up on all of the polls around uh, the country? Or will it be a running mate for the electronic voting machines? Non-responsive, non-identifiable individual, a public servant spending hard-earned public uh, money. Well, uh, there's there's an industrial relations issue on at the moment because the civil servants say they have to be trained. Then remember one of our listeners contacted us who knows, is worked in the industry, knows what it's like to work on large, these big, large industrial printing presses. And it isn't as simply as a photocopier where you just learn to press the buttons and out will come whatever you're printing or photocopying. There is a skill attached to it. So one of our listeners reckons it's actually going to cost more because judging by what she was saying, they're almost going to have to bring printers in to, to run this if it's the case. But the civil servants are saying, we want extra money if you want us to be upskilled to use that great big €808,000 of a printing press. If you want us to use that, you've got to upskill us. And if you've got to upskill us, uh, we want more money for it. And so there's, an, so please don't mention that it will become like the electronic voting machines. That would put the fear of God in so many people, uh, for sure. 1850 uh, Oh, OK. You can stop calling us. Thank you for that. You can stop calling us because we have our Panto winner. Will we go with the answer first? We will. And the answer is... It was, of course, a bell. And our winner is Anne Galvin from Clondrothers. Congratulations to you, Anne. You are the winner today of a family pass to go to Jack and the Beanstalk at the Everyman Wednesday the 18th. And you'll be going there at uh, 6 p.m. in the evening. Make sure you go early because by going early, you'll be able to get involved with the VIP reception. Have fun and enjoy uh, that, uh, Anne. And thank you for your call. We'll do it all over again tomorrow. We'll have another question for you and another chance for you to win another family pass. One tomorrow, Thursday, and our final one on Friday. More information about this wonderful, wonderful traditional panto by going to the everymancork.com. Okay, some more of your texts uh, coming in. Patricia, on the complaints on your show about this government, we're hearing complaints about farming, we're hearing complaints about poverty, speed limits, health, housing, rural Ireland. Next year, each and every one of the people who are complaining will have an opportunity for change. Where? They'll be able to do it at the ballot box. And don't be complaining if you vote the same people in again. And that comes in from John in Clonakilty. Thank you for that, John. And actually, when you talk about farmers complaining, I just, I have a vox pop here. This is a short little piece that was recorded before the meeting took place. There was a meeting earlier today where the farmers, because the farmers said that they are refusing to step down their protest, which is now starting to, the farmers are starting to endure the wrath of Dublin commuters because they brought parts of the city to a standstill yesterday and again this morning, a hundred tractors 
are parked in and around Dáil Air and they refused to end their protest until they secured a meeting with the Agriculture Minister Michael Creed. In fairness to Michael Creed, he went out this morning and he met with some of them, even though I don't think he got very far and I don't think the people that wanted to talk to him were there because they didn't know he was coming. He just impromptu walked out uh, to speak with him. So there's since been another meeting that was held this morning, but listening to the news at 12 o'clock, the farmers have come out at that meeting and they're certainly not happy with what they heard or what the Minister Michael Creed had to say. But this is a Vox Pop that was taken by one of our reporters in Dublin and it is chatting with farmers and also some non-farmers who were caught up in the protest. No, because he didn't answer any questions that was put to him straight. He said he was looking into it and he was he'd do this and he'd do that and the people on the ground is going to have to stay here and they get results. The Minister Creed was asked to come out last night when everybody was here, when all the farmers were here. He came out this morning when a lot of the men were asleep in tractors and tired. Yeah, they're quite angry with the... See, what's, what's wrong here, as you heard them saying, they want an apology for the statement that was brought out yesterday. Now, it has been betrayed that these are tugs and this, this is what has revved these people up here, was they don't feel their tugs. They feel that they had to come to Dublin. I support their thoughts. I think blocking up the city on is like this isn't on. Because it's bad enough in Dublin trying to get around without this. All I'm worried about is getting home later on. Buses just aren't stopping. Um, a lot of them are already full and then we get in. There was about a, maybe 20 minute delay um, on the journey on the buses. So it was more so just traffic held up. Um, I'm cars driving in bus lanes as well. So a bit hectic. Sorry, one has to have sympathy for the commuters as well but it looks like those farmers digging their heels in and digging their tractors in and they ain't going nowhere. Uh, Marian Bantry says this is on the farmers' protest. When my shop goes quiet I must keep my front door open but farmers are able to get grants for everything for their children going to college, grants for various farming items. It would be more in farmers' line to continue to grow more vegetables than looking for grants, says Mary in Bantry, who has absolutely zero sympathy for the farmers who are protesting today. 1850 Keep your gardening questions coming for Peter. Please text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit Cork coco.ie Mallow United soccer training for boys and girls aged 14 to 17 for of all abilities and those with additional needs happens every Wednesday evening between 6pm and 7pm it's a Carragoon indoor complex and you can contact Sandra at 87 The Cork Deaf Association they're holding a free talk on hearing loss that's on at 7 o'clock tonight in the Cork Deaf Association office and that's based on 5 McCurtain Street in Cork Castle Lines Community Council they wish to advise that application forms for their community text alert are available at Castle Lines and Cooligown churches A coffee morning cake sale and raffle will be held in the Arches Bar in Mallow this Friday half past ten proceeds are in aid of the Hope Foundation and your support would be gratefully appreciated and Darina Allen will cook for Christmas on tomorrow evening at the Grain Store in Ballymaloo tickets including a raffle for all of the dishes demonstrated uh, will be available tickets are available from Eventbrite and it's a fundraising event for Cloyne 
Cathedral. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. A Cork band once asked, Where's me jumper? Now C103 is asking it too. Where's me Cork Simon Christmas jumper? Every year, thousands of people here in Cork get together to help fight homelessness by wearing a Christmas jumper to work, school or anywhere. Don't make a song and dance about it. Simply get your fundraising pack now at CorkSimon.ie. The Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day. It's time to wear your jumper. With C103. I'm Charlotte Cowie, and well, you know me. Here to spill the magic beans about Jack and Jill, Prof, Mam and Goose, and the tallest giant you've ever seen. There'll be a massive beanstalk for our explorer, Jack. I'm on a big adventure, and I hope I'm coming back. Make sure you come and join us. While we climb to brand new heights. The Everyman Christmas Panto. We guarantee it's out of sight. C103 presents Jack and the Beanstalk from November 30th. The ultimate panto experience with sensational singing, dancing and non-stop laughter. See everymancork.com. Book your tickets now for Jack and the Beanstalk. The Everyman Panto. It's for everyone. With C103. And questions for Peter Dowdle, please. Actually, I can now see questions coming in about Christmas cactus. When I was talking about the Christmas cactus we have here in the building and how well they are doing, it doesn't seem to be the same for everybody. So if you've got a question, get it in for Peter, please. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, Marie in Kilnamartra joins me on the programme. Let's see if we can help out Marie today. Good afternoon to you, Marie. Good afternoon, Patricia. Thanks you, for taking my call. Uh, listen, you're more than welcome. You lost your little baby's first shoes. I did. I what did. happened? I was um, back in Bantry Hospital on Monday for an appointment for myself down in the outpatients department. Okay. And I misplaced. She was slipping them off now. She was taking them off. And I put them in underneath the buggy. And basically, I misplaced them along the way somewhere. I didn't have them when I reached the car outside. So. And both of them, not just even one? No, both of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Describe them to us. They're grey with a little pink star on them. Okay. So I'm not 100% sure. I can guarantee if I actually put them on the roof of the car or not, so they could have oh. fallen off. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, they could have fallen off anywhere. Yeah, I'm thinking that might have been it, the fact that the both of them were gone. Is yes. that, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was Bantry Hospital car park? That's right. Just no, last Monday? Yeah, now I have been in touch with um, Bantry Tidy Towns yeah. and they have been very helpful. They actually went up and checked the car park and they didn't find anything. I'd say I'm probably out of luck, but if anyone <laughs> sees anything... So what we're hoping is that somebody else picked them up saying, that's a good pair of shoes, they belong yeah. to someone. Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah. Okay, and it happened last uh, Monday. And it's her very first pair, is it? Her first pair, yeah. They're the ones yeah. you want to keep. Exactly, that's it. They're yeah. only about two or three weeks old as well. So. Oh no, oh <laughs> yeah. no. And she's just getting, is she walking? Is she, is she talking? She is. Yeah. She's yeah. Walking, okay, yeah. and what's, is, what's the baby's name? Katie. Katie, okay. So yeah. is she, have you another pair of shoes for her? Yeah, we you had know. to go and get some yesterday now. But <laughs> and they're not the cheapest items, the first no, pair of shoes? No, no. they're not. Okay, all right. 
we don't want any falls either. So no, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it's the fact that it's the first pair. It should be lovely. It'd be lovely to get them back. All right. Yeah, well, we put it out there. Let's fingers crossed. Thank and you very much. Thanks, Marie. Bye bye, Marie in uh, Kilnamarcher there and. Uh, and well, his faith in good old St. Anthony, he might be able to find them for us as well. Anybody around uh, Bantry Hospital, uh, little little pair of shoes, little first pair of shoes. I'd love to get Katie's shoes back. Just saw that Marie can put them into a memory box for because I know a lot of parents still do that. There was a tradition at one stage that came, I, don't, I haven't seen it done in a while now, maybe it is still done, of bronzing the first shoes is that something that still happens I remember that there was kind of big business back in the 80s probably into the 90s and you could bronze the first pair of football boots in the hopes you know that one day when they'd play for Ireland you'd be able to take them out or if they played for Cork or they played for Munster in the rugby you'd be able to pull them out and say look they were your first ever pair uh, it'd be great though it'd be lovely if we got Marie's and Katie's little shoes at back if you can help us with that please let me see what else is coming in I can see questions coming in for uh, Peter keep those coming to us um, and okay yeah um, did somebody said did 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 Marie ring the hospital? Somebody might have handed them in there. Yeah, I'm assuming she's done all that. They, people have a tendency to come to us. We're kind of the last resort because she's even gone to Bantry Tidy Towns who obviously do a clean up in that area and they've been out and about looking and haven't been able to find it. So, you know, yeah, she's gone to all the usual spots. I mean, to me, it is, she's obviously put them on the roof of the car when she took them off and then they blew off or as she drove away and didn't notice that they fell off. So it's got to be somebody who was parked up in Bantry Hospital, maybe doing an outpatient appointment like Marie herself was doing. I'm assuming somebody's picked them up thinking that's a good pair of shoes. You know, maybe bringing them home to say I'll pass them on to a charity shop maybe thinking somebody dumped them even though they you know you'd know looking at them they're a decent pair they're a good pair of shoes when they're only a couple of weeks old but it's just the fact that it's the it's babies it's little Katie's first pair of shoes she'd like to be able to hang on to them 1850 John Paul taking your calls if you want to text her WhatsApp 103 C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See Ryan's.ie. So hopefully you know at this stage what this is all about and people are counting the bells. The bells went off this morning at uh, 9 o'clock with Simon. They'll go off at 2 o'clock with Nick and then at 5 o'clock this afternoon the final set of bells. You've got to add together all of the bells that you heard ringing today and then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win to 0862103103 and then Martina selects, randomly selects one of the correct answers she makes a call and this happened yesterday and here is the moment Susan O'Sullivan from Ballincollig told us the correct amount of bells and she won yesterday's 500 euro one for all gift voucher 15 15 is correct let me just let me just say a big congratulations just like this And well done, that's Susan O'Sullivan from Balancholic becoming our latest winner. You have a chance to win again. Listen out for the bells at 9, 2 and at 5 and then get texting or WhatsApping in your chance to win a €500 Euro 
all for one voucher. C103's Christmas covered with Dennis and Mary Ryan with the new 2020 C5 aircraft has arrived. Open seven days. See rhymes.ie. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market. Cork at Christmas is amazing. I love going to the markets and everything. Crepes and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel. Join C103 for the return of Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade. Every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park, magically lit and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre. Take in the beautiful city view from the Ferris wheel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment. Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade. Presented by Cork City Council, The Echo and C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com, uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. Uh, now, I somebody earlier on, Sheila, one of my listeners, said, uh, sent in a text saying, Hi, Trish, just making my annual inquiry. How is the Christmas cactus doing? Is it still with us? Uh, and then I was talking about <coughs> these two wonderful Christmas cactus that we have here in. They just stay on the windowsill in the canteen. They don't get moved. The one person is responsible for looking after the feeding and watering. The only person with green fing- fingers in the building. And we do nothing really with it. And then every year we just get these magnificent flowers and it is in 
glorious full bloom at the moment both the cerise pink one and then the lighter the dusky pink one but both of them are flowering beautifully and that, so I mentioned that to Sheila that then led into uh, calls in for a calls and texts in one listener straight away my cactus hasn't flowered for two years and Mary says hi Patricia just listening to you discussing your Christmas cactus and I'm mad jealous mine aren't doing so well at all could you ask Peter to go through the care of them during the year and especially what I should be doing at this time of year well, there I say you've just gone through the care and I'm presuming that the, the person with green fingers that you refer to as John Paul, I presume he's up there watering and tending to them. <laughs> it isn't John Paul, I will Perhaps tell you now. Not. It isn't, no, it isn't. Um, so yeah, they, they, and I put up a post on the, on on Facebook, on the Irish Gardener on Facebook during the week. Somebody sent in a picture like that of their Christmas cactus, which led to about a hundred similar photographs being posted of people's Christmas cactus, but but several people having the same problem as your listeners, that they're not doing so well. And really, they're, they're a plant in many ways that thrive on neglect, as you correctly say. You give them the right place, like a, a bright windowsill or a bright canteen. Water about once a week, and they'll, they'll, they should flower quite easily then each year. However, very often they flower every second year because so much energy goes into producing such a fantastic floral display at this time of the year. They very often need two years. So they take a break, they take a year out. They, they need two years very often to, not always, but very often they need two years to, to So the listener, the listener like. who said mine hasn't flowered for two years, she might get a big burst she this year. She may well. Yeah. She may well. Now one thing I would suggest, if the plant is doing well, uh, like if it's a good firm to the touch, not soft, and it's good, good green colour. I imagine she will. But one thing that you can do to help promote it is give them a feed with something like the Nature Safe um, liquid feed. It's a good, rich, high in potassium liquid feed, which is very good to promote uh, flowers on house plants, but and on, also on outdoor plants. That are a good quality tomato food. But then, and when plants, would you do that? It would do no harm to do it now. It would do it no harm to give it a shot of it now. It okay. will promote food. It will promote flowers. But what I would say is, not all tomato foods are created equal. Uh, in that, some of them are nearly just water because there are very some of them that you'll find on special offer in shops and things like that. They're, they're, there's hardly anything in them. So do look for a good, rich, concentrated one. Okay. Uh, I know Goulding's do a good organic one, or the Nature Safe Liquid Feed. Either of them would be the best. And I'm the kind of fellow if I'm going to go to the effort of feeding a plant, I want to make sure I'm giving it the right one. So uh, it, it will have to be good quality plant food, and that will promote flowers without question. And then um, deadhead. When, when the, yeah, deadhead when the flowers come off, just literally pinch them off. They come away in your hand, as you know, uh, and that'll promote another flower to come. But really, that that's it. There's not much more to it. If if it's been in the same pot for several years and it's stopped flowering for a couple of years, into a bigger pot with, with some more houseplant compost, and you, you should have flowers again the following year. And I was reading uh, something about it during the week as well. They can last for like thirty years. Not thirty years and more. I, yeah. I, I remember my mum had them ever since I was can first remember being into gardening, which it was probably when I was about three or four years of age. Uh, and they're still they're still there. And I'm I'm over 30. Let's leave it at that. Um, so the, <laughs> they're more than 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. My, mom, my mom is gone, unfortunately, but the Christmas cactus remains. And it, and uh, it can, and it's it's lovely then to have that connection, though, isn't it? To have a oh, plant. Absolutely, when yeah. you see them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Uh, a much loved friend, an uh, um, older friend of mine died just last year, actually, but she, a number of years ago, because I love, uh, I used to always admire her Christmas cactus and she gave me one a number of years ago and every year it flowers I would think of her. It's just, and it's, it's gorgeous. And I think plants can do that. 
They absolutely they, and yeah. it, particularly even when they're in the garden, it makes the garden a real living entity because you t- see a plant and you remember the person who gave it to you. In in your case, as you say, or in my case with my mum, uh, the person may be now gone, but the plant brings it back to life. Yeah. And just going off the point very very briefly for a sec, like you know, I'm always rabbiting on about the importance of the green environment, but uh, or the garden or whatever you want to call it, but. Plants, uh, plants are one thing, and we we tend to see undervalue plants and gardens and 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 what's going on in the. the I use this term advisedly. The great outdoors, plants are the one thing on earth. Maybe well, maybe there's others, but plants certainly have the ability to keep growing forever. Humans don't. We mm. don't. And we look down our nose, if you like, on trees and plants. They have the ability to keep growing and growing and growing. That's true. That's true. You know, That's a good point. We have a lot to learn from them. We have we a lot do. to learn from them. A uh, question for Peter, please. Any advice on care of an agapanthus over the winter months? I put moss peat on them, but some of the leaves are going dead. I That's think they're fine. evergreen. The variety is white and blue. Also, what would you recommend for a good show from these in the summer? Okay, agapanthus are a kind of a mixed bag, if you like. Some are evergreen, some are deciduous or herbaceous, to be more correct about it, meaning they die back for the winter. And some then are in the middle, they're semi-evergreen. So depending on how severe the winter is, they'll either keep their leaves or they won't. If an agapanthus, even if it's labelled evergreen, if it loses its leaves, I'd never worry. So don't worry about it. The leaves going brown, end of November now, don't worry a bit about it. I'd be 99% sure they'll come on next year, unless we get a particularly bad cold winter like 2010 all over again. Um, so uh, that's the first thing I wouldn't be worried about them don't worry that they should come through the winter no problem The then in terms of getting a good show next year agapanthus that might be a bit more difficult for a new plant agapanthus need to be quite congested the root ball needs to get very congested to, for it to flower so that's fine if it's growing in a pot or you see you get it in the garden centre from a friend and it's in flower because that root ball is already congested in the pot when you plant it out then the roots start you know, making their way into the soil all around it and they're loving it in their new home and getting established. It may take a couple of years for that root ball to get suitably uh, established for it to produce flowers again. So don't lose heart if it doesn't flower after you've planted it for a couple of years. Provided the plant is good, uh, producing good leaf growth and that, then it's fine. Do feed it again with something like the Nature Safe Liquid Feed or a good quality tomato feed because they're very good, like I said a minute ago, in promoting flowers. Um, but really, so feed it with one of them uh, and provided it's giving you a good leaf growth, it, it will flower for you. Okay. Sorry, position it well, position it in an area full, full sun and very well drained. Should do okay. Okay, G- from Jar Peter, when is the best time to trim ash trees? They're about 20 years old, I think, and they're beginning to branch out near the house. Any advice, please, on how much I can cut back and when? Okay, well, when I can answer, uh, and I would do it now, I'd do it this time of the year, uh, number one, the tree is dormant, so it's a good time to do it. But number two, uh, you know, as, as high winds and storms have become very much part of our climate over the last number of years, I would take action now if they're, when you say they're coming close to the house, if it's a, if it could in any way be a threat to the house. And ash can be shallow-rooted, so they, they are trees that do come down in storms. So if there's any threat to the house, I would take action sooner rather than later. Uh, so the when is now, both horticulturally and from a safety point of view, the how much is something I couldn't really answer uh, without looking at it. So I would recommend you get a uh, a qualified, insured... In, in yeah, tree surgeon. Letters, tree surgeon. Yeah. Um, Neil Vaughan is who I've recommended on this programme before. He does all my tree work and he's, he's McCroom-based. He's very, very good, but then there are lots of very good ones in Cork. Uh, but just make sure they're qualified and insured. They'll tell you how much. And, and you see, what you don't want is somebody just to go in. If you, if you ever look at the... Um, no disrespect to the people who do work now for the ESB or anything, but if you look at the ESB lines and the trees that have been cut around them, 
the DSB are paying people to cut those trees just to keep their lines safe, which is fine. But that's uh, you, you'd very often see just straight lines. Yeah, they're all, it's, they're almost know, hacked. Exactly. Yeah. So from from the ESB's point of view, that's fine. But from the tree's point of view, it's not fine. Okay. Yeah. So you don't want somebody just to come in and do a straight line cut or remove half of it near the house and leave the other. You need somebody who knows what they're doing, who's going to remove all branches proportionately, so that that tree keeps its good shape, keeps stable, keeps good balance, uh, and that makes number one a safer tree near the house, and number two uh, a more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, tree and well it's. Balanced. I mean, they're they're twenty years there. You want them there for twenty and more years. Absolutely. So you yeah, want to be able yeah. to look at them and, and for them to uh, to look okay. Thank you for that, Jer. Question for Peter, please. Uh, Shop bought potatoes not washed in paper bags. How long could one store those for, and what would be the best way to store them? And what is the cause of washed carrots turning black a few days after purchase? That's from Eugene in Newmarket. With, <clears throat> excuse me, with with um, the potatoes, if they're not washed and if they're in a paper bag and they're dry and they're kept away from sunlight, they should store for a good few weeks, maybe even months. It's hard to say, obviously, but if there's any damp in them, then they won't. And of course, as soon as they're exposed to, to daylight or sunlight, you need to start using them fairly quickly. Um, but but the answer to the question, if you if you're picking them, if you're digging them yourself out of the garden, uh, you store them dry in dark in a dark bag. They will store for a couple of months. The, the main crop, not the early, obviously, but this time of the year it's main crop. Um, I can't answer the second part of the question because I don't know what they put on the carrots that, that are going mm. into the supermarket. So if you pick a carrot out of the ground, uh, it will go rubbery after a day or two. They won't keep for, for a very long time out of the ground. There's and you don't know when you're buying it when it was pulled out of the ground. You don't, or, you know, if you look at where it was grown, it could have been anywhere. They've possibly grown hydroponically. Not, not that there's anything wrong with growing something hydroponically, which is just in water and nutrients and not soil. Uh, but they're possibly grown hydroponically. There's probably a lot of pesticides and preservatives put into them. I don't, I can't answer the question because I don't know what's been put into them. I do know some shocking facts about fruit and veg that, that's available in our supermarkets. That would turn us off fruit and veg, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. It, like if you look at some of the fruits that we, 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 we can buy in the supermarket now in November, like strawberries. Yeah. I like I grew up on a fruit farm, Trish, where we grew big strawberries and we picked them at six o'clock in the morning. If they weren't sold or, and consumed by, by six o'clock that evening, they were be dumped because they go off that quickly. And now you have, have strawberries for sale that came from South America or the further parts of Europe and best before days a week's time kind of thing. So you, you've got to think what's in them that's making them last. Well, I shall retell my, my tray of uh, Mandarin Origins story that I had. This happened a good number of years ago. I bought, you know the way they do those wooden boxes of Mandarin yes. Oranges at Christmas? Yes. Bought a big box of those, of course. No room in the house for them set. Took, took a few, put it into the fruit basket, said I'll leave the rest in the shed and, and I'll, I'll get them out of the shed as I need them. Of course, completely forgot with everything else that's in the house over Christmas, completely forgot about it. Shed is locked up, nobody even near it. Went at Easter to open up the shed to get something out. He was the tray of mandarin oranges. Now, we didn't eat it, but I swear to God, the oranges looked perfect. We opened them. You could have eaten them. And I'm thinking, whoa, what the hell was put on those that three months later they still looked like they had been the day I bought them. Yes, yeah, funny. Well, no, I'm saying that with citrus fruits, you might be safe enough, actually. Oh, would but, you? But you might be. You might be. Um, be, be. Yeah, because the citrus peel doesn't break down. So so it's possible they were safe enough, but I wouldn't risk it either. No. Not after that many months. No, <laughs> no, no. N- 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 not a hope. OK, uh, Tracy has a holly tree that's full of berries at this time of year. She'll have none for Christmas. Is it certain varieties that only flower with the red berries at Christmas, she wants to know? 
uh, well, yes, there are, you can give quite a long answer on holly. So holly is, is um, time is of the essence. But holly is a plant that not all of them bury because you have male flowering plants and female flowering plants. So, uh, and then, of course, you have some which are self-fertile to make it even more confusing. So it's only the female ones which will produce the berries. The male ones produce, uh, the male ones, you need the male ones to pollinate the female ones to produce the berry. But, uh, so first of all, yes, there are only female ones that will produce the berry. As regards the timing, no. The timing of when the berries come isn't as much on the variety as, as it is on the climate. So it's natural for most hollies to start. The, the berries are actually on them since they flowered earlier in the, the spring and early summer. Berries, But the berries have been green and the berries only begin to ripen now and turn this lovely red or there's also golden berried holly. Uh, they, they only colour up at this time of the year. Um, the birds, pro- you're probably going to be safe enough this year because it hasn't been that cold and holly berries tend to be one of the later berries that birds go for because not, number one, not all birds feed them and number two, uh, I know I've never asked a bird but apparently they're not, they're, they're not all that palatable. They do feed in them but kind so of as a last, last resort. They may last. Right? Okay, we're, so, way, we're yeah. out on time. I'm going to have to leave it there. Listen, thank you for that, Peter. Thanks, Have a great Bye. week and uh, we'll talk again next week. That is Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is next. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration, festive food and fun, the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio Go online or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. C103. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.